Hi there, MMBC Church family. Good to be with you today through this podcast that we try to do weekly, our midweek discussion of the sermon from this week. This week we're in Ephesians 4, verse 14 through 16, which you'll say, weren't we in that last week? Yes, I did not finish the sermon the first time, so we had to go back and hit the last two points because I only got through one the week before. But that's okay. It's an important section because verses 14 through 16 end a little section there on unity that Paul starts to discuss beginning at the first verse of chapter 4. And so when we got to the end, I just felt that we really needed to do a little bit of review, which took quite a bit of time that week, to get to where we needed to, needed to go. So last week, we really focused on verse 14. And in verse 14, it talks about the need for sound teaching. It says, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Maybe something that would be good to talk about when we look at that verse, just briefly to get our mind back there, is uh, how dangerous do you feel it is for Christians when it comes to this verse of being tossed about to and fro with everything that is thrown at them uh, in Christian culture, let's say, how much of a danger do you feel there is that they can be tossed to and fro into some very dangerous maybe areas? Or do you think just in general in Christianity, somebody gets saved, you're going to say pretty much they're safe. We feel that they're going to be okay. Uh, there's enough good out there that they'll generally get into the right direction of growing up into the full maturity of Christ, as it says there. What do you guys think? I mean, I would say that there is, I mean, maybe this isn't where you were wanting to go with that question, but this is what I think of, is that in today's time, there is much more danger for the average Christian uh, to be tossed to and fro and to be taken away by every wind of doctrine because there are so many more voices that are accessible. Not necessarily accessible, but there are so many, there are many more opportunities for anybody with a voice to make their voice known, like through social media, through YouTube, through self publication, things like that, Google, uh, even having a blog or a website. And the reality is, is that not everybody out there actually knows what they're talking about. Um, not everybody out there has actually studied and knows these things. Not everybody out there has actually been vetted mm-hmm. by a senior group that would approve what they teach. And so just the sheer number of people out there that teach, not to say that the sheer number of false teachers, but you increase the number of teachers and you increase the number of opinions. Mm-hmm. I think we as Americans tend to look at that with a positive view that more opinions means greater variety and more diversity. And at some level that it's good to have variety and diversity of opinions. But when you treat every opinion as if it is an expert opinion, that does two things. It elevates people's opinion or it elevates their mm-hmm. uh, authority on something that in the past they never would have been considered an authority on this. And at the same time, it takes those voices who are in authority, such as a local pastor or a seminary professor, somebody who's studied theology or scripture for a long time, and it actually lowers the validity of what they have to say. Because they're just one of many. Because they're one of many. They're it, they're not special anymore just because they have an opinion mm-hmm. on the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so I do think there's a lot of danger 
um, in, in mm-hmm. this. You guys might know this better than me, but there was a day when you could probably look at a book and see who published it and know if it was a little more trustworthy or not. Is that correct? You think? Yeah, I mean, I would say it was, <clears throat> yeah, publication was not as easy as it is today. Yeah, so yeah. it's not really the same today, though, because I remember a time here at our church, we would be glad to tell people, go to Lifeway, and what do you get? We would say, you can pretty much trust. But I wouldn't be comfortable saying that anymore, um, uh, just because they needed to make more money. And so they started letting other things other things in. And so we can't even get to the point now, I would say, where you could look and say, oh, it's published by this group, probably safe can't necessarily say that anymore and so to what you said there's just so much variety that it it is very nerve-wracking and so I'd mentioned this week in my sermon how uh, when I first went off to school or like into college and reading different books and trying to grow in my faith and knowledge of the word of God I really worried about that because I'm like how do I know that this is a good I mean what your professors say to read you want to trust them but I remember I went you know I ended up at a college that was a different denomination than ours of one that had some key differences and they were giving me a lot of stuff to read. And it was like, how do I know what is good and what isn't good here? And that was a difficult, a a difficult process, but it was being worried about being tossed Mm -hmm. to and to and fro. In that sense, it, it actually may have been a very good thing that you went to a college Mm -hmm. that was outside of your regular denominational life, because otherwise you probably would not have developed that same kind of, of, of critical thinking about what you're being taught. Mm-hmm. Just doesn't look good on a resume. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. So anyways, there's a benefit, though, to sound teaching and being under sound teaching, and it's very easy to get tossed to and fro. And so that's why I think Paul would regularly encourage these churches to gather together to sit under the teaching of the pastor so that they could be being taught together, right, the the true word of God uh, and there was a huge benefit to that because remember he's just coming off of talking about there are some apostles, prophets, evangelists, uh, shepherds, teachers, and needing to do that role. And that role of those ones specific was always teaching and centered around the word of God. And the same is true today for pastors and teachers; they are to be teaching the word of God. And so, uh, really, I would say the most important place for people to be, if they're not wanting to be children tossed to and fro. Number one isn't in books that you can buy. I would say it's you need to be in your local congregation, a faithful congregation teaching the Word of God, sitting under that teaching weekly. And if that church offers other things like other Bible studies or other you know, conferences or they do these things, be a part of those so that you, it will help you to, to grow. And, and talk to your pastors, like at this church, talk to us about good books or good material um, or you know, maybe you found a book that you're kind of interested in. Chances are we've probably heard of the author, you know, if it's in, in any realm, or we would be willing, I would say, I, I know I would be willing to do some research or try at least to do some research to find out, eh, be careful when you read this, or I think that should be a pretty good book or whatever along those lines. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on kind of from that, we get to verse 15 and 16. My notes are out of order here from the message yeah 15 comes before yeah, 16 that's a good good point appreciate that uh, as we get to 15 and 16 it really is the balance of the message that i didn't get to and so i was glad to be able to do that this week but paul begins to talk about in verse 15 
the need to have truth in love and the importance of having truth in love uh, because he says in 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And so this importance of learning truth and love together, living both of those things out together is what helps us to grow into Christ, which is our what we want to do as Christians, as Christians saved by the grace of God through Christ, we know that we have the righteousness of Christ on us, that we have been saved from our sin, but we also know that the Holy Spirit is a part of us, lives in us, and, and one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is this process of sanctification, helping us grow. And now you can get into a long study if you want of how much your effort goes into sanctification versus how much of it is the Holy Spirit's work in your life. There's a lot written on that that you can go into. But I don't think anybody would deny the fact that as Christians, the Bible is very clear to call us to grow. And so we're supposed to be learning, reading, growing. And it it is a process and is a long process. But what Paul says here is truth and love is what is vital to this growth. And so the word of God is vital because that is the truth that we have. That is all that we have as Christians to stand on. We don't have anything else. And we are to also have love for each other, love for the word of God, and that should flow throughout the congregation as we as we grow together. That's a hard thing, isn't it, to balance? I want I want to get your guys' thoughts on this because I said I said two things, and we'll start with the first one. I said, um, uh, where was it? About being careful to never sacrifice love for truth. Uh, and I said, I've heard it said that truth with no love is hard, but love that has no truth is a soft love. All right. So I want you, I don't know if I even said that in the sermon. I might not have said that. I don't think you did. It's buried down here at the bottom and I didn't see it. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but I did say you should never sacrifice love for truth. And the danger would be when you start doing that, what you have is you have just truth that's extremely hard all the time because there's no love behind it. What's your guys' thoughts on that or maybe how you've even seen that play out before? Um, yeah, I mean, we have to have both. Here in the, in the text here, he's saying, <clears throat> speak the truth. And I'm, I don't, I'd have, without looking at um, studying this more, I would assume that it's saying in a loving manner. Um, in the way in which you speak the truth should be characterized by love. So, uh, yeah, if we, if we don't have love, um, there's a good chance also we don't have the whole truth. <laughs> so oftentimes these go together. But also if we don't have truth, then we're probably not going to be able to love people the way we should. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we have to have both. And um, it is possible to have, uh, you know, the right uh, truthful formation formulations have the right formulas theoretically um but to do it without um seeking the welfare of other people mm-hmm. um, if that's not your uh and that's roughly i think a, a, a what we're supposed to do in the ten commandments seek the welfare the interest of other people uh, and also uh, love the lord um so if we're not doing that those if we're not loving people uh, we're just speaking the truth then um, like you pointed out from First Corinthians chapter thirteen, we're nothing. But then also, if we if we give up on the truth, well, we have nothing either mm-hmm. um, to even love people with. Um, love has a content. Mm-hmm. You can't just love 
uh, just amorphous love. So yeah, you have to have both. They're so important, and that is true. It's hard to balance those sometimes. So in today's day and age, what would you guys say is an easier thing to slip into? Is it easier to slip into somebody who you're just speaking truth all the time, but you're not very loving? Or do you see more of a problem in today's world where everybody just wants to be loving and truth seems to be washed away? Well, I, I guess it, it depends. Um, I don't even mean in the church. I just yeah, mean in, in the general. World. I think it's this is interesting, though, because um, it, it, we see people out in the— uh, just thinking about the, the culture at large, the, the country, <clears throat> sometimes we have people that are saying, well, we should just love. It don't matter what your truth is. But then you also see people out in, the, uh, out in society who are saying what they think is the truth, and even if I disagree with them, they're not saying it very lovingly. Yeah, they're saying you re- you basically you believe this, yeah. or you're out. Yeah, I, so I don't know. It's kind of this, interesting. This might be very controversial, but no. I, be careful. Think that think it through. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I mean I see both in our culture, and I mean you could even I think make a political divide. On one side, politically, I think generally one side tends towards the loving, like mm-hmm. getting rid of truth for mm-hmm. loving, but then the other side gets rid of loving for the truth. Yeah, you know, like there's a, a popular slogan that I I think probably many people in our church would be familiar with, but it's just a little saying that facts don't care about your feelings or something like that. And that's when we consider truth in love, they they need to go together. Uh, you know, communicating truth in a way that does take into consideration mm-hmm. the way people feel yeah. and they think. And that's why I do think, you know, Spencer mentioned that you had talked to First Corinthians 13, and that is helpful because we actually do have a description of attitudes, you know, and, and positions and the way that we speak to people and things. But I, I see really both. And I think what actually makes this this conversation more difficult is the fact that both of those things, truth and love, our culture can't seem to agree on a definition of either of those words. A lot of people believe that love is something that it is not, and a lot of people believe that there isn't even such thing as truth. Mm -hmm. And so defining those is important for our understanding of how we apply, well, how do you speak the truth in love? Mm -hmm. Do we have a Christian understanding of love? And I think you were getting at that, Spencer. And do we have a Christian understanding of truth? Um, it's, It's hard to even have that conversation. Yeah. I think although our culture wouldn't want to admit it, they 100% prove the truth of verse 15. Because we cannot be people of just truth without love. It's impossible. It's a, you become a law society. That's called like a dictatorship, right? It's where all this, there's nothing else is ever in play. And that's just not realistic in our world. We can't be black and white all the time. There's just caveats to things. There's just things that have to be there have to be dealt with. And so people see that, right? People who want to be just loving, it becomes obvious very quickly that that's impossible because there has to be some sort of standard that you stand on to be loving. At some point it needs to stop. You know, I, I saw an argument that a Christian was having with the non-Christian. I called an argument and the video would have said uh, a witnessing thing or whatever, but it wasn't. And it was, it was the the Christian person, you know, was saying, you know, that the was saying, well, why can't somebody love a child that way? What what's your why not? I mean, you're saying two men can love each other, two women can love each other, or you're saying that I can tell you that I'm a woman, 
and you would have to respect that, right? He was he was walking through this and and trying to debate with this person, but then they got to why can't I love this child that way, though? Why why not? Why not? Well, that person really didn't have a good reason. Well, because that's just wrong, you know. They would say, yeah. Well, why? Why is that wrong? You know, and and that's a good point. You're talking about love. There has to be truth or it doesn't make sense, yeah. right? It doesn't make sense. And so really our culture is proving this to be 100% mm-hmm. true. And as Christians, we have to make sure that we are people of truth mm-hmm. but and love. And we do get a little off at times as uh, Christians to where we start to venture more into the true side and we're not too concerned about love. And so we start getting these feelings that maybe we shouldn't have, yeah, you guys can all just die and go to hell. I mean, we really, you've hear, you would hear that at times, like, that's that's not supposed to be us, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> that's not supposed to be our mentality. Uh, but then you can also see where we slip to the other side and say, well, maybe we shouldn't talk about this because I think it's going to make people uncomfortable. Well, we shouldn't be that either, right? We shouldn't be afraid of what the Word of God says. And so I really do think our culture is just playing out in a way that proves this to be 100% accurate and undeniable. Uh, and so then, well, after that, the truth and love part, it gets to verse 16, uh, where it talks about the whole body growing together in Christ. Because at the end of 15, it said, uh, who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body, and I think this is interesting. I don't think I touched on it too much. Joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It really paints this picture of Christ being in all of it. Right, we think of him as the head, but sometimes you could just say, "Ah, you're the head. Go up there and do what the head does." But it's like, no, Christ is actually in all of it. So he, he is what holds everything together. He's what holds our relationship together, right? As a church, it's it's him. And so there's this picture here, though, of us growing up as a body, not as individuals, which we do, but also as the body of of Christ together. I don't know if you guys want to talk about that um, at all. I don't know if I explained that too great uh, in the sermon. But this idea of, yes, individual Christian, you're going to grow in your walk with the Lord. At least you should be. You should be reading God's Word. You should be doing discipline like Paul talks about in Corinthians. But then there's also this idea that the church family is going to grow together. I don't know if you guys have any, any thoughts on that or any good ways to talk about that that might be helpful. Yeah, no, I think that's a really powerful image um, because everybody is to grow up into Christ. Yeah, um, that's that's very important because it's not like we we come to Jesus at the beginning of the Christian life and then Jesus puts us on our way to go do the rest of it on our own. But the whole of the Christian life in this world is growing up into Him, into Him as the head, and the way in which we do that is by speaking the truth in love. And I take that as specifically talking about speaking scriptural truth to each other. So it's the way in which the the way in which we as a church grow together into him and the head and uh, in, in our heads, right? For instance, the head is the thing that um, gives us our identity. Like, it, who, who am I? Well, a lot of that has to do with just your own mind, your self-reflection, but also it animates the whole body. It, it governs the whole body. It determines what, the, what my fingers will do, what my legs will do. It's, the, it's, it's governing and influencing the whole of the body. 
And so likewise, as we grow up into him, he is, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me and in us as a corporate body. And the way in which that happens, though, is by the word of God. Um, It's not by, um, it's not through a bunch of other techniques. He actually says, speaking the truth in love. And later on, he's going to say, one of the ways that we do this is by addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, speaking scriptural truth to each other and from the pulpit and from Bible reading. So uh, you, you kept bringing up, I think, this week and the past week about the importance of the Word of God. And that's why it's so important, because it really is mm-hmm. the means by which we grow up into Jesus and become more like him. That's that's the way God has revealed to us that um, he changes us and grows us into each other. But ultimately, the thing that unites us is is the head, Jesus himself. I don't know. That's a little abstract, but that's just kind of my thoughts initially. Yeah, I, I think the interest, you were getting at this. I think the, the interesting thing about this uh, whole section talking about up in verse 13 until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I think sometimes when we talk about growing, uh, especially in instances like this, is asking the question of what are we growing towards? What's the goal mm-hmm. of our growth? And I don't necessarily, based on where Paul goes in the rest of Ephesians, I don't think it is simply an intellectual knowledge. But it is, a, it is knowledge is dependent on that growth. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, it's almost like the, the water that feeds the growth, but our growth manifests itself in the way that we live, in the way that we love one another, um, and, and the way that we grow in sanctification and holiness into Christ. And so I think some—I just say that because I think sometimes people can get the wrong idea that the growth of a Christian is only intellectual growth. And I think sometimes the where— the place where sometimes people's pursue truth for this at the expense of love is when they're only pursuing the intellectual yeah. side of it. Yeah, your intellectual growth is useless if your growth isn't if that growth isn't accompanied with love, with the fruits of the spirit mm-hmm. of what it said earlier about being humble and gentle and patient and kind and bearing with one another and looking yeah. for peace among the body. Mm-hmm. And that's where you can often find a seminary student, mm-hmm. you know, or yeah. you, no, you can usually pick that out pretty quick. Yeah. It's like, they know a lot, but man, they're really angry yeah. at and, a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. And it's important just for, I mean, our, our church members to know that like our expectation as pastors is not that people would become biblical experts in all no. these different areas. Mm-mm. We want you to know what the Bible teaches, and to be very familiar with the Scriptures. But it's not just for the sake of having knowledge. It is for the sake yeah. of living out your faith and helping your brothers and sisters when they need it. And I think there are some things. really precious saints of the Lord in the body of the church who they might not know all the answers if you ask them, you know, who is the seventh king of Judah or whatever. They're not going to know this stuff or quote this verse for me or where was it found. They're not going to know that. But it seems like... God has really imprinted on their heart the word of God, and they seem to just love the Lord. They seem to be people of prayer, right? They they love being together with the church and sitting under the teaching and preaching of the church. They seem to love to minister to other people. And so I would say they have a great maturity in the faith as well, where, again, maybe they can't take the—they're not going to win sword drills, you know, flipping to verses or whatever— God really has seemed to implant that word on their heart. 
and all of the preaching over the years and all of the teaching and what reading they have done seems to have soaked into them to where you see it being lived out in these ways of, of how much they seem to love, right, and really care. And so, yeah, we're looking for both. You would love to have the sword drill winners and the people who can quote verses and really can teach it. But again, according to God's word, there's some he calls to be teachers and shepherds, and those are the ones who are going to teach and do these things. But everybody then is called to minister to the body, and they minister in this way, what we're talking about, through love, through humility, through patience. And so we need to see within ourselves that growth, and hopefully as the church as a whole, that that growth. I mean, you even see it in the patience that Jesus had with the disciples. How so many you still you've been with me this long and you still don't understand? <laughs> he would say stuff like that. But what did he do? Did he say so? Forget you? No, it was. Let me tell you again, right? Let me do this again. Let me do this again. Um, and there just seems to be this gentleness and this patience that Jesus had that we could all we all need to be working towards through prayer and through these things. Um, but yeah, it's hard to talk about though what you said about what is a mature. Christian, I remember going through some discipleship stuff here at the church and people had that question. So, so what is a mature Christian? When can I say I'm not a child anymore, but I'm more of a mature Christian? And those are good things to talk about. But the answer wasn't always, you know, this much of the Bible. But I think some of it is you do know this much of the Bible. You're going to need to because truth and love seem to grow together, Mm -hmm. right? They they seem to grow together. And so uh, we can't, get rid of one uh, for the other. Mm-hmm. It's, it's again, a, an outworking of that balance of truth and love. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not talking about just living a certain way with no knowledge yeah. of Scripture. You, mm-hmm. Your knowledge of Scripture informs mm-hmm. the way that you are living. I'm sure I'm sure some of this was selfish on my part of just not wanting to look stupid, but I would say my, my I kind of grew out a little differently where you would think as you know more and more truth, you're going to love more and more. I would say that I had a love for the church, and as God called me to that, because of that love for the church, I realized my need to know more truth. Mm. And so then I would pray, God, put that on my heart then. I don't like to read. I don't like school. God, can you really then put that on my heart? If I'm really going to love well, I need to know more, and so help. And I would say God answered that prayer, not that I know all, but that I actually have a desire now to know more, a willingness to sit and to learn and to read, have this desire to want that, I would say it grew out of a love. So I think it can go both mm-hmm. both ways. Yeah. 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 You guys got anything anything else from that section? No? When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Again, it just shows at the end, as Paul's talking about unity, just the need for everybody, not just pastors, not just teachers, not just the apostles, not just prophets, but the whole body to do its part. Because that's what he says, right? As the as it is, as each part is working properly, then we will grow together. And so, yes, I'm the one. Oftentimes, you guys, when I'm not, you guys are the ones standing and preaching and teaching. But that doesn't negate the importance of those sitting and listening and them going and doing what the work in the church is supposed to be of loving each other well. I simply can't do that. I'm one person. You guys can't do that. We can't cover the whole gamut of our church to really love each other properly well. But as a church body, we absolutely can. We can all meet the needs of the church 
because God has given us each other to do that. And so we just need to all be faithful to doing our part that God has called us to. And so for some of the people in our church, it might mean caring for two people on a regular basis, phone calls, visiting them, going out to lunch, whatever it might be. It might just be two people. That two, It's so important that you do that to those two people. Others might be better at 10, 15, 20 people. Do it. Go and do it if you can do that. Uh, but but make sure you are caring and loving for somebody within your church family because that's that's what we're all called to do. None of us can can step aside from that. That's what we're all to be to be doing. Okay, well, next week we're going to be in Ephesians 4 verses 17 to 24 for those who want to look ahead and read ahead. I encourage you to do that. Look forward to being able to See all of you again on Sunday, Lord Lord willing, we'll be able to come gather together and to worship him, the only one who is worthy of our worship. So hope you have a good week. God bless.